Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Welcome, gardeners of the world, to episode number 22 and our discussion today on why garden clubs and horticultural societies matter. We hope that you're all having a wonderful start to the new year. We are. And something great that happened today is we just received a beautiful endorsement from Discutafo in the Netherlands. They do podcasts on eco-gardening and permaculture and gave us a very nice shout out on Twitter, which reminds me, hey guys, if you're on Twitter, give us a follow. Anyhow, they gave us a very nice review on their site, the Healthy Garden Podcast, is our number one tip for gardeners who feel responsibility for our planet and for those who have opinion that gardening starts with soil care, high information density, and food for thought. Also, European listeners may enjoy this American show. Now that is big, you guys, to have a European company say that an American show is is all right. That is super cool. And Norma, who spent a great trip there during college, we are very grateful and humbled for the kind words and support. Thank you to our friends and partners in the True Organic Revolution, Discutafel, for this wonderful surprise. And speaking of wonderful surprises, today we're going to look at something that has been around a long, long time and needs our support, the local garden club and horticultural society. In the U.S., we have all kinds of garden clubs for every type of flower, every type of growing that you can imagine. I have personally spoken at over 100 different garden clubs over the past 10 years, and it's been one of the joys of my teaching, gardening, and growing experience, both personally and professionally. We have some big organizations in the U.S., like the National Garden Club and the Garden Club of America. They're old societies, and they do a lot of important things in terms of community, in terms of scholarship, in terms of teaching. To me, the Garden Club is a cornerstone of many communities, and like so many other wonderful things that have done a lot of good for our communities, they need our help, our support, our membership. I want to dedicate this episode to the gardeners of the world who have done so much for gardening and who offer so much for the future of gardening, but only if we join, serve, volunteer, and be a part of this beautiful institution. Hey, gardeners. My Graham was a member of a garden club, the Pleasantville Garden Club in Pleasantville, New Jersey. And it was that lady, my Graham, who taught me about the greatest thing ever, which is compost. And for me, compost is everything. And that's one of the reasons that I was one of the people that started Malibu Compost. If you haven't ever tried it and you're looking for a great compost, Get yourself a bag of Booze Blend Biodynamic Compost from Malibu Compost. You can get it online 
especially the really cool little self-sealing six-quart bags at www.malibucompost.com forward slash shop. Or you can go to a great, amazing, local, independent retailer and pick up one of the larger bags. At the end of the day, it's all about being of service. To me, to Norma, that is the most important thing that we can do as human beings on this planet. It's not about how much do we get, or how much do we own, or how much do we make, or how much power do we wield. No, it's about how much we were of service, and how much love we were able to give. That's what matters. Garden clubs and horticultural societies have been the backbone of many beautification projects and volunteer programs for over 100 years. Most of the time, the hours spent volunteering to help a community are thankless hours. But the joy of those hours and time shared come from within, not to mention the joy of doing something that you love, gardening, And as gardeners, we all know, anytime we get to garden, that time is priceless, right? Except when we're weeding. The first garden club in America, and I love this story, you guys, is the Ladies Garden Club of Athens. Athens, Georgia is where the University of Georgia is, and it has been a garden town for forever. As early as 1833, they had a botanical garden at the university. Interest in horticulture in the town and among the town people was high. And in the year 1891, a small group of Athens ladies, most of them from the section of the city known as Cobbtown, formed themselves into a garden club. The first meeting was held and the club organized in the parlor of the home of Mrs. E. K. Lumpkin, who until her death was the guiding spirit of the organization. The members were 12 in number. They also asked a local doctor to be an advisor to the group, Dr. E.D. Norton, and he was a brother of one of the members, Mrs. Cobb, and a horticulturist of wide repute at the time. The membership was limited and new members were taken by invitation only. Later on, at the suggestion of Dr. Newton, the famed horticulturalist and doctor, it was later decided to change the charter of the club from a small select social group to one of large usefulness. Accordingly, in 1892, the membership of the club was thrown open to every lady in the city who might be interested in learning to grow anything. From a cabbage to a chrysanthemum, everyone was invited to join. By 2011... The group had done hundreds of different volunteer projects in the state of Georgia and the surrounding areas. One of my most favorite projects of theirs was a project to do the restoration of the Marshall Forest, a site that was old growth pine, and it's now managed by the Nature Conservancy in Rome, Georgia. As you can see, 
This is just my first example of how important it is to have a garden club or a horticultural society on your side when it comes to things ecological. Now, even before the ladies of Athens came along, there was the RHS, the Royal Horticultural Society, the granddaddy of them all. There are now nearly 3,000 groups connected to the RHS. Back in 1858, Sir Charles Wentworth Dilk, the founder of the Gardener's Chronicle, which was the first gardening, basically, newspaper and periodical. He founded that in 1841 with Joseph Paxton and John Lindley. And I like to say and give the names of these people so you guys have a reference point that these were human beings who at a time when this was not the thing that everybody and their mother was doing, they did because they had a passion. They had a care. So Dilk suggested that there would be a union between the RHS and all these provincial hort societies in England. It was not well received at first blush. He, he was turned down, but he, but he pushed. By 1865, there were 53 horticultural societies that had signed up to the affiliation with the RHS. In 1877, the Royal Horticultural Society started to allow these societies and clubs to exhibit and be given RHS medals at their local exhibitions. Many of those horticultural societies from the 1800s are still with us today. The secret to their success has been a varied social program, a strong and active committee, and a willingness to try something new. That, guys, is, is the key to me, the willingness to try something new. Affiliated societies hand out engraved banks, Banksian medals, named after Joseph Banks, the founder of the RHS, for members who receive the highest number of points in their classes at the local shows for fruit, vegetables, and flowers. They also give out the Grenfell Medal for floral arrangements. The Grenfell Medal is named after Francis Grenfell, the president of RHS from 1913 to 1919. Think about that. A hundred years ago, guys. The local horticultural shows are the lifeblood of the RHS. Recently, members of the RHS affiliates met to discuss how to keep the clubs going in the 21st century and how to attract younger members. That is our hope with this podcast, that if you've ever thought about joining a club or looking to make some new friends who share a similar interest, then there is no time like today to look up your local garden club or local horticultural society. It's in the dead of winter. We're right here, guys. We're not in the height of gardening. Join it. Become a part of it. Become a volunteer in something that is great and wonderful. There is no time like now for you, gardener, for you, listener, for you, podcaster, to make your life and the world around you better.
Hi, it's Norma, a biological farmer and the producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. I wanted to share with you something special that Garden Club and Horticultural Society members can do occasionally at their meetings. Compost tea parties. There's nothing more fun and exciting than to see another member's garden have a potluck of tea-type foods like cucumber sandwiches and scones and help that member compost tea their garden. This could be in the spring, summer, or fall, and it will be a win-win for everyone, including their garden. For compost tea selections and instructions, go to malibucompost.com forward slash shop, scroll down to the compost tea section, and click on any variety that you'd like. One more tip, every member should bring their own beautiful watering can. For me, it's all about organic gardening, true organic gardening. And that is the message that I put out when I walk into and speak at a garden club. In fact, I was just down in San Diego earlier this week to address the African Violet Society of San Diego. How I get these engagements is always word of mouth generally from people who come to one of my gardening classes or from people who find our website and want to know if we are available for public speaking engagements. This time, however, it was a little different. I was at a nursery called Green Thumb San Marcos in San Marcos, California. San Marcos is a beautiful little town just in from the coast with one of the best growing climates in the world for year-round growing. If you're a gardener and you live in San Marcos, you are blessed. I was in the store doing a PK, which is a product knowledge session, on the compost teas from Malibu Compost when I noticed a delightful elderly woman who was leaning in to hear what I was teaching to the group. I stopped my talk and asked her if she'd like to join the class. She was a little embarrassed, but I said, it's all right. Come on. We're, 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 all, we're all gardeners. Let's, you can step in. So she stepped into the group and said, I grow African violets. Will this tea be something good for them? It was perfect. The woman, Marilyn Lee, was fantastic. She really brought an extra spark to my talk that morning, and we went through how to use compost and compost tea on African violets. Marilyn learned something. The staff at Green Thumb learned something, and I learned something. I learned that you never know who's listening or what your next adventure is going to be. After we got Marilyn all set up with her tea, she asked if I ever spoke to garden clubs. I told her that I did all of the time, and she asked if I would be willing to speak to her club. And that is how I ended up at the San Diego African Violet Society. I had a fantastic visit there with the members this past Tuesday. 
I told them straight away that I was not going to do a typical gardening pitch and that, frankly, I didn't care about their plants, but that I was much more interested in their soil. That got a lot of attention, and from there on, I rattled through my why I don't shop at the big boxes because I support local nurseries, how GMOs from conventional ag waste bring glyphosate into their cheap and faux organic potting soil, and why it is critical to think through the implications of their purchases in terms of health, safety, and ecology. Not exactly what members of the African Violet Society thought they were going to get, gang. I finally got around to how to use compost and compost tea on African violets, and that fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides are a waste of time and money. To my surprise, and as has generally been the case, the African Violet Society loved my talk and embraced me and my true organic revolution philosophies with open arms. They also asked some fantastic questions, and I want to say a big thank you. Thank you, ladies, to the women of the San Diego African Violet Society. The one thing that I must say to everyone is this. The garden clubs in your community and and the horticultural societies in the surrounding area, they need our support. They need membership. They need people to join. They need people to donate their time and their expertise. The average age of members of garden clubs today is 75 years old, you guys. And what that tells me is, hey, yeah, I go in clubs and I see somebody who's 30 and maybe one person that's 40 and there's a man and a woman, a couple in their 50s. But the bulk of the people are in their 60s and 70s. And this podcast is reaching out to you guys to say, hey, you guys, The younger generation is into organic and holistic and a different approach. And it's time that the two worlds should meet. It's a time that the great stuff that's coming from the new generation and the great stuff that's coming from the senior generation, the people that have been there and gardened and done stuff, should meet in the middle and take the next level, the next generation of garden clubs to that next place. So we have another 100 years of garden clubs that are going on. And in terms of organic gardening, which is my bent, which is what I care about, this is not a brand new movement. And this is not like there haven't been any organic garden clubs ever. Because I can tell you what, in 1954 in the U.K., There was a guy, a freelance writer named Lawrence Hills. He was a journalist and he was an organic grower. Okay, 1954, everyone. And what his passion was, was the comfrey plant. And in 1954, he rented a small farm in Essex to experiment with comfrey. He encouraged other growers to share his research, particularly in companion planting for pest control. In 1958, he created a membership organization to support the research into comfrey and into organic gardening. He named it the Henry Doubleday Research Association after the 19th century Quaker smallholder who brought comfrey to Britain. The charity grew in the 1960s and it really took off in the 70s when growing your own, in quotes, surged into popularity. They also started a Heritage Seed Library in 1975 to protect hundreds of vegetable varieties 
that were endangered by new EU regulations. That group is now called Garden Organic, and they've got a site in Wrighton Organic Gardens in Coventry. It became such a popular movement, you guys, that in the 1980s, they were given a chance to present the new organic gardening TV series, All Muck and Magic. Sound familiar? On Channel 4 in the UK. Today, they've gone from a startup to a bigger organization to a much larger charity. And now 10% of the schools in the UK, the garden organic programs reach out to them and teach these kids how to grow and how to garden. Do you think that's important? I do. One of the other things that they've done, which to me, I, I really applaud, was they were one of the first groups in the UK to talk about the safety of the beehives and the safety of the bees. And they lobbied the government because of the neonicotinoids and other things that were being used in agriculture and in gardening. They were also, in 2016, Garden Organic was at the forefront of the people who were forcing the EU to ban glyphosate. So our garden clubs, just little garden clubs, sometimes. Our garden clubs, big things, sometimes. Can they make a difference? Do the people make a difference? If we come together, they do. Do they make our society better? Of course they do. So there you go, everyone. Join a garden club or a horticultural society today if you are not a member. If you're young and you garden, or you're in your 40s and 50s and you garden, or you and your husband garden, or your husband and your wife garden, or, or, or you and your best friend garden, join a garden club. Bring your organic knowledge to your club and to the world. Things only change when we decide to change them. And with that, I'm off to the farm. So I'll see you guys when I return. Until then, have a beautiful, safe, and healthy week. And please, when you go sign up, give our best, the Healthy Garden Podcast best, to your local garden club or horticultural society and tell them that we say a big hello. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.